Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I want to begin today's show with a quick story, and it's actually going to lead me something here in the present day, so hang with me here for a couple of moments. A lot of you are familiar, and this happened before I was really born, and certainly like when I was a, like a baby, so I don't have any like actual living memory of this, but those of us who've been around Georgia football for a long time have heard these stories over the course of time that arguably the greatest moment in Georgia football history at that point in time was the recruiting battle that secured Herschel Walker's arrival to UGA. A lot of you are familiar with the fact that, you know, Mike Cavan, the Georgia assistant, essentially moved to Wrightsville as a way of planting Georgia's flag there in Johnson County that Herschel Walker was a guy that had to come to UGA. And Herschel himself has told these stories a lot about, you know, his own indecisiveness. And frankly, at one point in time, he told us a couple of years ago that he even had some indecision about whether or not he's even going to play college football, which is certainly an interesting thing in its own right. But in terms of what this meant for George at the time, winning that recruiting battle to secure Herschel Walker as a running back was a huge deal. Now, this is pre-internet, pre-24-7, pre-rivals, pre-all of that, but still to be alive in the state of Georgia back there in the late 1970s and heading into 1980, everyone seemingly, at least based on the way that I've been told the story, understood the importance of the Herschel Walker recruiting win for Georgia. The reason why I say that is because something actually interesting happened then on the heels of this historic win that that gave Georgia a chance to build a program around a player who would eventually become, you know, one of the greatest, I would say the greatest of all time, that the tone apparently around Herschel actually started to change some before the season actually began in 1980. Like, you might assume that, well, if you win the greatest and, and most hard-fought recruiting battle of all time, you bring in this you know record-setting running back from your own state, there'd be nothing but hype and nothing but praise for Walker going into his freshman season on the road season opener against Tennessee. And yet, around Georgia, that's not exactly the way that it was. And the reason why this matters is because I think this speaks to just something that sort of exists in the DNA of Georgia football, something that kind of just exists. I don't know if it's in the water or just in the air or whatever, but you know, this to me is sort of Georgia football to a T because when you think about the two most pivotal figures in terms of for someone like me, and many of you are kind of in that same age bracket I'm in, you know, if you grew up as a child in the eighties, the two figures that had the most influence on the way I view Georgia football was the coach Vince Dooley, the play by play broadcaster Larry Munson. I still have great reverence for both men. I'm glad to know that uh, Coach Dooley is still with us and still influencing us to this day. Obviously Larry Munson no longer, but his legacy will live on with me and, and so many of you forever. And they literally are almost solely responsible for the way in which I think of Georgia football, the way in which I view Georgia football. It's the way that those two men talked about the dogs that I think even to this day, here we are in the you know near fall of 2021, the way that I talk about UGA is largely influenced by some of this there as well. And so when Larry Munson wrote his autobiography, uh, it's called From Herschel to a Hobnail Boot, the story that Larry told in that autobiography of the game against uh you know uh Tennessee the season opener what would go on to be one of Larry's you know most famous calls the idea of my god a freshman and you know running over Bill Bates and everything that kind of goes along with that but uh what Larry Munson said in the book was that I've told this story before but Vince Dooley Munson says told me that he was concerned about Herschel Walker that he might have what was described as a big stiff fullback on his hands Larry Munson said in his autobiography that's what Vince Dooley said to me and I remember being a child in the 80s hearing stories of Munson also saying this on some of those like booster club speaker events that he would go to that really kind of downplaying the idea that that Herschel Walker was set up for immediate success as a freshman in 1980 because coach Dooley had been concerned he might be a quote big stiff fullback not quite the 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 player yet that they were hoping he'd grow into now in retrospect, that seems pretty crazy because, as said before, uh, Herschel ran right through a guy who would go on to play defense back in the NFL and would run his way along the way to being you know, the greatest college football running back of all time. But even for a guy as good as Herschel Walker, there was this like 
downplaying of his potential greatness before the season started. And as I said before, that's just kind of what Dooley was, right? Always looking, I don't want to say, it's wrong to say he was always looking at the more negative connotation, but always respect for the opponent. Always, hey, let's not hype things up too much. You know, let's, let's you know, say, uh, you know, nothing when we lose. Let's say even less when we win. Let's, let's just be respectful. Let's play the game the right way. We're not going to have a whole bunch of hype. And I think Larry Munson, those of us who grew up listening to him, you know, we were always hearing about how great the opponent was. We were always hearing about, you know, how how unstoppable the best player in the other team was and how, you know, Georgia just had the world stacked against them. That's what it was like to listen to Larry Munson on the radio. Now, my reason for saying all of that is to say this, that if, even now, more than 40 years later, that is a version of a Georgia football conversation that I'm still pretty comfortable having. In other words, we are now two Saturdays away and almost, we can say, a week away from Georgia taking on Clemson. And the conversation that's not very comfortable for me is the very pro-Georgia, ah, dog's going to dominate Clemson. They're going to win by 28 points. Uh, this is going to be, you know, a lot of flexing, a lot of, a lot of trash talk, a lot of, a lot of, you know, if you're a pro wrestling fan, you know, cutting a promo on, on, on Clemson here. That's a conversation I'm not all that comfortable having. Now, it may turn out to be true, and the more optimistic Georgia fans may end up being correct about that. But for someone like me, kind of raised on Dooley, raised on Munson, the conversation they once had, even about the player that would turn out to be the greatest player in Georgia and college football history, I'm just a little bit more comfortable with the idea of, man, Georgia's got something to prove, the challenge is intense, the competition is stiff, and let's see what happens after that which is actually kind of interesting for what I'm about to play for you because much the same way, maybe back in 1980, uh, Vince Dooley, Larry Munson, folks like that weren't quite sure what they had in, in, in Herschel Walker and pleasantly surprised once he went out on the field there in Neyland Stadium and led the dogs to a victory. There's also some curiosity about what Georgia has with its team here for the upcoming season. Very different kind of team. It's no longer about running the football as much as you can. It's about upgrading your offense. And a lot of Georgia fans hope that upgrade that has been discussed on shows like this over the course of the last year, really the last several years, that upgrade is on full display against Clemson on in Charlotte. But maybe the same way in which some folks are trying to sound a warning and, 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 and remind Georgia fans to be careful expecting too much from Herschel Walker back in 1980. There are now folks trying to caution Georgia fans not to expect too much from this Georgia offense here as they get ready to take on Clemson to open the 2021 season. And one of the guys that's doing that is a guy who would know the former Georgia quarterback, record-setting Georgia quarterback at UGA, Aaron Murray. Murray now an analyst for CBS Sports, and Murray made an appearance on the Birmingham radio station WJOX on its morning show with uh, Cole Kublik, Greg McElroy, both ESPN SEC network analysts. And Aaron Murray, on the basis of an eyewitness account, says that right now what he's seeing from the Georgia offense is leaving him as a UGA alumnus feeling pretty concerned. This is Aaron Murray from WJOX. Honestly, man, I'm concerned about the whole offense right now. I'm not going to lie. You know, I, I was feeling pretty confident about the Bulldogs about three weeks ago. Uh, I took a little trip to Athens, watched the scrimmage, and I came away. And, and, and Greg knows this, and so do you, Cole. I mean, defense usually, beginning of camp, usually dominates for the fact that offense just really hasn't installed a lot. It's easier to play defense. You can go out there with three or four schemes and coverages and blitzes and just be perfectly fine and that's not the case for offense so i walked away saying okay maybe it's because of that let's give him some time you know or you know talk to some buddies who went to the scrimmage the other day kind of the same story you know offensive line's been okay running backs look good we know that jt's look fine but i'm worried more about the receivers i mean i am super concerned that we just don't have that that playmaking ability so we're left to wonder on the basis of what Aaron Murray said there. Is that a true warning that we should all take heed of, that the expectations that we have for Georgia right now are all too high and this offense actually won't be as great as those of us who are dog fans hope it will be this season? Or is this just the 2021 version of Larry Munson and Vince Dooley back in 1980 saying that Herschel Walker is only a big, stiff fullback and don't expect too much too soon from him? <laughs> you know, which one of these two things is it? As of now, it's still too soon to know all of that. But for what it's worth, Aaron Murray was far from done in terms of being quite specific at just how – 
unfinished a product the Georgia offense is for right now more of Aaron Murray from WJOX and then that's something that I was concerned about last year as well and everyone was saying oh it's the quarterback's fault no watch the film they don't have guys that can consistently win and someone that you can just give a bubble to or a slant make a guy a couple guys miss and take it to the house like they don't have that Plus now, a lot of them are banged up. Gilbert, who knows when he's coming back. Washington's out uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, you know, it just has not been a really good kind of camp offensively for the dogs. And that worries me going against Clemson week one with that defense, that defensive line. Uh, nine starters back. Venables having time to game plan. To me, this is going to be an offense that is going to be not very different from what we're used to seeing from Georgia, running the football and playing defense. I want to tell you something you already know. If what Aaron Murray says there is true, that's terrible news. I mean, like, this is like as bad a quote from a guy who would know, or at least have, you know, you know, some expert knowledge, former Georgia quarterback, big time performer, guy who, as he says, had a chance to eyewitness one of those Georgia scrimmages a couple of weeks ago. If Aaron Murray says no change, no change, no change, this is still the same Georgia offense you're used to seeing. Like that's awful news. I mean, like you can't sugarcoat that. Murray's description there is is very bad news. Now I think there is a silver lining you can put on this and a positive spin you can put on it, and I'll do that in a moment. But first, let me let you hear one more from Murray. Really? I mean, just talking about putting a very fine point on just how concerned he truly is from WJOX, the former Georgia quarterback, one more time. Uh, And I know Georgia fans hate to hear that because they want uh, Alabama's offense last year. They want LSU's offense here before. They want Ole Miss. They want to see things open up. They don't have that personnel. They don't have the receivers to really open this thing up, go three wide, go four wide, throw the ball to the poor bar, give JT the opportunity to spread the ball down the field. It's going to be run the ball three, four yards in a cloud of dust and play great defense and and hope you can slow down uh, Clemson's offense. But I'm concerned about our front, but most of all, I'm concerned about our receivers and our depth of that position. So, I mean, listen, I, I think that's really interesting. And, you know, Murray talks about – hey, you know, he's been seeing this for a couple of years and Georgia fans think this. And, you know, he kind of puts the finger of blame on the wide receiver saying that Georgia doesn't quite have that, you know, same kind of weapon. Look, here's the thing. I can't do the blame game and point the finger at the wide receivers. I, I, I can't do that. And I've told you why before. I mean, as I said on the show earlier this week, for me, it comes down to suits, not boots. If the Georgia offense fails, you're not going to say, well, just the wide receiver play was just not at a high enough caliber. The fact of the matter is you're not going to get – You're not going to get a better caliber of receiver at Georgia until you show that the offense is worthy of a better caliber receiver. I mean, think about guys like Luther Burden or Andre Green or some of those 2022 recruits that are watching this program. You think they're just going to like take blind faith and pledge their way to Georgia before they see how they'll be used in an offense like this? You have to use what you have to get what you want. And it's not as if the Georgia offense right now is filled with guys who were not former elite recruits. Yes, there are three-star guys will be leaned on this year. A.D. Mitchell sounds like he's in line for some playing time. Maybe others are there as well. But, you know, it's not as if, even with the injury to George Pickens, there aren't some potential high-level recruits uh, that you have a chance to turn to when, when it comes to all of this. So I can't do the blame the players thing if the Georgia offense, as, as Murray said, three yards in a cloud of dust, one more time here for 2021. But I told you, I promised you I'd finish on a positive note with this. To me, this creates a real opportunity because if if the blame goes to the coaches if the game plan fails, and I think that it should because they're the ones making millions of dollars, it also creates the opportunity for the coaches there as well. There's an incentive here for the coach that has the greatest responsibility for this offensive game plan for the upcoming season. There is an incentive for for him to show that, yes, the Georgia offense can be transformed. And for guys who you know have expertise of having played in this program, they may say we don't have uh, wide receivers good enough to get it done, but I'm going to show you how those kinds of wide receivers can thrive in this offense, and I'm going to show all the recruits in the future that, yes, Georgia is a place you want to play the same way Ohio State has been, Oklahoma has been, and maybe Clemson, Alabama have been, that Georgia can be that same kind of program. And I thought it was very interesting that uh, within the last 24 hours or so, Pete Thamel from Yahoo Sports, has put out with his list of of 
college coordinators who could be in line to be head coaches sooner rather than later, maybe as soon as next season. And it's probably not a surprise that one of the names on that list is Georgia's Todd Munkin. What Thamel said about Munkin I think is really interesting here. Uh, Thamel writes of Munkin that with JT Daniels back at quarterback, NFL caliber stable of tailbacks, and an easy schedule after week one, it's hard to imagine the Bulldogs not getting hot offensively. I think that's a pretty good way to say that. Now, Aaron Murray says, well, actually, I can imagine Georgia not getting very hot offensively. If that's the case, then you know, shame on Todd Munkin for not using what he has at disposal. And I'm sorry about injuries, and I'm sorry about you know departures, and I'm sorry about you know uncertain status with certain players. I'm sorry about all of that, but you were brought here for a reason. You were brought here to get it done with the guys that you have. And if you do that, then I'll shake your hand. Georgia fans will pat you on the back and wish you well at whatever spot you go on to be a head coach or play caller in the NFL or whatever you want your next job to be. But the responsibility belongs to Munkin right now to take a game plan, use what you do have, and make an offense that works. Chris Olave at Ohio State, that's the three-star wide receiver who's right now one of the nation's best. Oklahoma has made stars out of, out of unheralded recruits at the receiver position before. It's Georgia's turn to do the same thing if it wants to be mentioned in the same sentence as programs like that. We'll find out this upcoming season if that's true. Also, we'll find out that just maybe what Aaron Murray said on WJOX this week is a little bit of a callback to a bygone era of Georgia football, led by guys like Vince Dooley and Larry Munson, who were certainly respectful of their opponents and maybe a little bit too tempted sometimes to talk down in poor mouth what the dogs had going on. Next Saturday, we may find out that actually history repeated itself when it comes to the 2021 dogs as well. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans presented by Kroger and Glad to have you with us today, no matter how you get to us, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref, podcast form all over the place. Just so glad to have you with us, and a big thanks to our friends at Kroger. We actually did something really fun with Kroger yesterday that you're going to be seeing in the very near future, but... Obviously, Kroger's got good, fun stuff going on all the time there as well. Now, we start thinking about next weekend. We're thinking about Georgia Clemson, but many of you also thinking about the holiday weekend, right? Labor Day, one of the best holidays on the calendar. It's got like that final chance to enjoy what's happening for summer before the true fall is actually here. And a lot of you love doing that with the outdoor cookouts, the 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 fun time sitting around the patio, the back porch, anything like that. And you can actually get stocked up for everything you need for a really fun Labor Day. Take advantage of the long weekend and the college football and everything else there as well. You know, the beer, the wine that goes along with that, the uh, the ribs, the hot dogs, anything else there as well. In fact, go to Kroger.com slash summer for more details on this. Kroger.com slash summer for a, a lot more on that. That's going to be a lot of fun getting ready for Labor Day and going to your local Kroger to get stocked up on all of that. All right. Here's what's coming up in a moment. We'll get Jeff Sintel, and yes, I'm running a little late today, but we'll get Jeff here coming up in just a moment, and we'll get some big-time recruiting information with him. I also want to make a big announcement here really quickly for a moment. I'm really excited about this. Now, a lot of you are going to naysay and say we can't do this, but I'm going to show you Monday we're going to pull this off. So one of the things that we've been hearing from a lot of you about is how much you're enjoying the video product that we have available actually being for you right there, dognation.com and the the Dognation app, right? Now, you're not going to one of the big tech platforms, but actually just going to dognation.com or going to the Dognation app. You're able to watch Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger live there each and every day. And some of you have been saying, well, you know, BA, you know, you take care of Facebook and you take care of YouTube at the end of the show. You're doing all that cool stuff for them. You got to do something for those of us who are here at dognation.com on the Dog Nation app. You got to do something for us right here. And we've been hearing that, and I want to be able to do that. I, I want to be able to do something for all of you who've really made this new platform launch a smashing success. So here's what we're going to do starting on Monday we're going to call it First and 15. Now, here's the way it's going to work at 9 45 starting Monday morning, and then every morning after that, we're going to be live only on the Dog Nation homepage and the Dog Nation app. Now, 10 a.m. when the regular show starts, we're going to be across all the platforms as per usual. So, listen, if you're a Facebook watcher, we still love you. YouTube, uh, Twitch, all those things, you'll still get your show 
on the same platform you're used to watching. But for the people who are watching there at DogNation.com or on the Dog Nation app, we do want to do something special for you. And we're going to do it starting at 945 Monday and then every morning after that for what we're calling First and 15. It's bonus extra content. It's not going to be on the podcast. It's not going to be on the other video platforms. This is going to be just for the people who are watching right there on our own pages, Dog Nation and the Dog Nation app. Now, some are going to say, B.A., you ain't going to start at 945. You don't start at 10 as it is. Trust me when I tell you, we're going to be on the air starting at 945 on Monday, and I cannot wait to do all of that with you. All right, so that's going to be a good time starting on Monday, getting ready for Georgia Clemson that following Saturday. Before that, though, and before we do Jeff Sintel here in a moment, get some recruiting information from him, let's go around the doghouse here delivered today by Marco's Pizza. And, boy, something really interesting happened yesterday. One of the big Georgia fan favorites made a very rare appearance in front of the media. I'm talking about outside linebacker Adam Anderson. You know, Anderson's a guy that I think likes to do his talking on the field more so than in front of a microphone. But his appearance yesterday with the media generated a pretty interesting headline in that Anderson, and I celebrate him for this, Anderson says he has a very lofty goal for the upcoming season. You may remember if you want to go back to April when former Georgia outside linebacker Aziz Ojolari made an appearance on Dog Nation Daily, at the time, Ojolari said he had a big statistical goal in mind for Adam. He said he thought Adam would be a double-digit sack guy for the upcoming season. Apparently, Ojolari must have also said that in some other media availabilities there as well because there was a reporter yesterday that asked Adam Anderson about the big expectations that Ojolari has for him. Of course, Aziz and Adam are good friends, having played with each other uh, a year ago. But Anderson saw Ojolari's claim and actually raised him right there in the uh, middle of the interview. This is good stuff from Adam Anderson. Take a listen to this. Back at Aziz's uh, pro day in the spring, Aziz said that uh, he predicted you would get at least 10 sacks in this season. Do you agree with him? <laughs> I mean, he said 10, but, like, I mean, I don't know if my goal is unrealistic, but, like, you, I'm really going for 20. And that's wild to say, but if you go for something smaller, then you're not really getting nothing out of it. So, listen, I love the lofty goal, and I do like the idea. I think what Anderson says there is objectively true. The best way to make sure you get 10 sacks is to shoot for 20. You know, when when you shoot for the big stretch goal, all of a sudden it makes the realistic goal, I would say, a little easier to achieve. So I just think that's a pretty good life lesson, the part of Adam Anderson. Like, you know, what are we doing if we're not doubling the real goal and, and, and trying to do that? Then are we really pushing to achieve our full potential in life? I think Adam Anderson's 100% right when he says they're, that they're that way. And obviously, we'd celebrate like crazy if a guy like Anderson, who has kind of waited his turn a little bit in this Georgia defense to be more than just maybe the situational guy or the, as was a lot of the conversation yesterday with the reporters, kind of the Swiss Army knife, the guy who does a lot of different things. If Anderson really gets a chance to pin his ears back and show the NFL draft scouts what he has a chance to be, and if obviously he collected a gigantic total like that, unforeseen total like that, then obviously that'd be really fun. Now, I have to admit, as someone who kind of, you know, has my own goals for George in mind, you know, if I had my choice, and this is with all due respect to Anderson, I believe I'd actually probably spread those sacks around a little bit. I always think about sacks in terms of a team goal. And I think the best way to get a team goal of like 40 plus sacks, which Georgia, if you play a full season last year, probably gets. But, you know, I think the best way to get that 40 sack total is to see Anderson give you a big number. I don't think double digits is a, is a, is too ambitious of a goal there, but also handful for Trayvon Walker, handful for uh, Jordan Davis. Obviously, Nolan Smith needs to eat in all of that there as well. So I like the idea of the big ambitious team goal. I think 40-plus for a season would speak to a Georgia defense that's making the kind of impact in the games that matter that really give the dogs a chance to win. And I don't mind the fact that Adam Anderson saying, yeah, listen, people may say I may get 10. I'm trying to get 20. For a guy like Anderson, who obviously has a you know pretty big spotlight on this season, thinking big in that spot, I think, is a pretty good thing all the way around. By the way, think, speaking of thinking big, when you think about the weekend, obviously big appetite is one of the things that comes to mind, and that's where my friends at Marco's Pizza kind of step in on all that there as well. The secret to living your best life is when it comes to really enjoying great pizza, I think. I'm talking about the authentic crust that Marco's Pizza is famous for, uh, those authentic old-world toppings like the pepperoni you see on the screen there if you're watching that on video. Also, 
great savings there as well. And this really matters to me. I want good food at a good price. And with Marco's Pizza here this weekend, you can get that. How about a large one-topping pizza for just $9.99? Just $9.99 gets you that. You can order via the Marco's app or at marcos.com. Of course, participation may vary. Additional restrictions may apply, so you can see in-store for details and all of that. But enjoy yourself some Marco's Pizza here this weekend. And we certainly appreciate Marco's Pizza delivering around the doghouse to us here today. We've got some funny golden shoes we're going to share before today's show is done. I'm looking forward to being able to do that. We've got some important stuff to do before then, though. Big recruiting update, the possibility that Georgia's on commitment watch. There are some elite recruits who have named Georgia among their finalists. There's a bunch of UGA targets and commits on TV this weekend. We're going to make sure you know all about that, so let's do that right now without further ado. We are on the road, assisted by AAA, with our Dog Nation recruiting insider, Jeff Sintel. Hope you enjoy it, and it's good to have you with us, too. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Boy, Jeff, a lot to get into over the course of our time together. We appreciate you being here to do it with us. Uh, so much uh, fun stuff going on. In these final days of the preseason preparation before the actual on-field stuff, next Saturday against Clemson, a lot of recruits watching that closely. But there's also a chance that Georgia takes care of some recruiting business before we even get to September 4th against the Tigers. Let's talk about Jacob Hood here for a moment and show folks on the screen that Hood's made himself a little bit of an announcement. Uh, The offensive lineman of note here talking about a commitment coming up Monday at noon. And, of course, you think about Ole Miss and Florida, LSU, Auburn, Georgia, Miami being a part of this i guess eastern kentucky there as well jeff hood may not be a name that you and i have talked about as much as we should but certainly georgia fans have had him on their radar for quite some time what do we make of the announcement coming up on monday from hood well yeah good morning everybody uh so hood's you know i'll be i'll be frank hood's the type of prospect he's a three-star uh developmental player i'm going to say that i think he's the number 35 or 39 offensive tackle in the country for this 2022 cycle. And 6'8", Brandon, here's the thing. He's about 6'8", still about 345 or so. And that's after, man, he lost something like 50 or 60 pounds um, during the pandemic. Um, Changed his body, really became a a legit college football prospect. For the longest time, it's been kind of Georgia, Miami, Auburn. I tell you what, Eastern Kentucky is the first time I've ever seen that or or listened to or heard Jacob Hood bring up Eastern Kentucky in a conversation or on a list. But uh, you know, you got to look at this. He'd always told me that he wanted to make his decision kind of right at the dawn of his senior year, right in August, September, that wheelhouse, and kind of where he is. Um, He's got a whole slew of family that are Georgia fans. A lot of family in the state of Georgia. Georgia got his last visit. He came back to Georgia during that um, for the cookout weekend, um, and that was Georgia having the best chance possible to try and land him as he makes his decision at noon. That'll be noon Central time because he's from yeah. the Nashville area. Good point. Um, that'll be, uh, you know, everybody wants to know a commitment watch, but everybody's going to, and this is the point, Brandon, where I'm going to counsel this because everybody's going to go, you know, wah, 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 insert your Pac-Man theme song here or whatever, but Really, that type of prospect, a developmental guy, a guy that's 6'8", that's massive, that maybe in two years might look a whole lot like Devin Willick, that story right there, Xavier Trust, that story. I think Georgia has a good track record of saying, we've taken guys of your size and stature, and look where they are now. Some true development happening where they're almost almost right now at the point where they're in consideration for the top seven, top, top eight guys in, in the offensive line room for Matt Luke. And I think that, you know, should Georgia welcome in Jacob Hood with a commitment on Monday, I think that's the thing you got to look for. And the reason why is, man, Georgia has recruited so amazingly well. Like Matt Luke's first two classes, I don't think he will ever top his first two classes at Georgia where you've got guys like, you know, really good guys, All-Americans like Chad Lindbergh. This is a great example. Chad Lindbergh is a great offensive lineman. He was one of the top 150 players in the country. And he came out in the class of 2020 with along with guys like Cedric Von Prawn Granger, um, Tate Ratledge, Broderick Jones. Georgia signed seven offensive linemen in that 2020 class. And you're, you're not hearing a lot of, you know, Chad Lindbergh news yet. The guy's very smart. He's a very good football player. 
Georgia just stacked up so many guys over the last two cycles. I think it's 11 guys, including like five All-Americans, six All-Americans, that a lot of these top prospects in this class, they've just looked at Georgia's offensive line room and said, nah, not going to do it. And uh, that's why you see Georgia right now with a Griffin Scroggs, a great player, a great 7A pedigree in-state guy. And then you see another three-star guy on the offensive line potentially committing to Georgia on Monday. You mentioned Eastern Kentucky a moment ago. I was thinking about this. Like, Western Kentucky's the Hilltoppers. I'm not even sure what Eastern Kentucky's mascot even is. I think it's some sort of bird, maybe. Uh, I'm not even uh, – I think maybe Jeff Sh- – no, uh, Travis Ford may have been basketball coach there for a while. I'm not even really sure what Eastern Kentucky's mascot even is. Hey, Brandon, are you going to hand out top top fan badge immediately if anybody can answer that on the, on the – uh on the chat what if i could to hand out the top fan badges mark zuckerberg keeps those in a safe he's not he's not he's not letting me hand out any of those top fan badges i can say that um an entirely i might be i I might be wrong on this brandon but i want to say i want to say they're the colonels or the rebels i want to say i'm going to say the colonels i think that's what i think if my nomenclature of all nca nca division one double a football teams tell me I, my final answer would probably be the Colonels. I'm sure somebody would fact-check me on that. That would, but, um, I'm that would be in keeping with the Commonwealth to, to have them be the Colonels, and it would be a cool name. Uh, so i got no problem with that. Obviously a reference to the original recipe of, uh, of Colonel Sanders. So I wouldn't have a problem with that if they were. An entirely different recruiting uh, conversation is the one involving Walter Nolan. Now, admittedly, I said on the show the other day that I thought that Nolan might be trolling Florida by – showing a Gator picture on his Instagram, teasing a top three, then putting out a top three that did not include Florida. It did include Tennessee and Georgia and Texas A&M. But, Jeff, as it comes out, maybe just Nolan's not just trolling Florida. He may be trolling all of us because since then he said actually every school in the country is still open for his recruitment despite the dropping of his top three. Even teased that he might commit. If you get to 11,000 followers, I'm not sure which platform, but 11,000 followers, he, he'd you know commit on all of this. Listen, I, I got no problem with the player enjoying his recruitment. I don't have a problem. I have a very high tolerance for recruit commit drama i'm just fairly entertained by all of it but it does become a little harder to know where any of this stands when clearly all of this with walter nolan seems to be done with a little bit of a wink if you get my point on that it's kind of hard to know what to really take seriously with this yeah and you know what brandon i think this is the type of recruiting where when he sees this i think he's already over his eleven thousand followers on instagram and you know knowing this Knowing the drama that has circulated around this one, I mean, he could be silently committing. He could be committing to an All-American game. Um, i tell you what he did, uh, even though they are wearing his top three, yesterday when he played for Powell High School in Tennessee, uh, he committed to wearing Michigan gloves at that game when Michigan's not even in That's their top, his top three anymore. Um, you know, Walter Nolan, I would look at this as top three version, I don't know, 4.2 or something like that right now, and the, the thing with that one is this one's going to have uh, this one's going to have stay in power. This is going to be sort of like Dennis Connor and those old school American America's Cup yacht races. Uh, it's going to go a long, long time, and there are a lot more uh, there are a lot more swells to go with Walter Nolan's recruitment. And a lot of folks, Brandon, even on the Dog Nation forum, they they, they share their opinion that now you just got to be really careful with a recruitment like this because this is the type of recruit. In this modern era, you can entice him with name, image, and likeness. You can give him, you know, all that sweetheart honeymoon honeymoon official visit. But if that guy's not happy where he's at, it leads one to believe that if that guy's not happy where he's at, well, that's what that new transfer portal system is all about. And I tell you, that is a very going to be a very tricky recruitment. Um, not even. Not even when he commits and when he signs, but then once he's on campus as well. Yeah, but I mean, here's the thing: it may be a dramatic recruitment, but. I would say, and I have no hesitation in saying he's worth the trouble. You mentioned the fact that he played last night. I saw some of those highlights. Man, he laid a big hit at one point in time. I mean, you know, part of the reason why there's so much attention, why maybe Nolan feels tempted to cultivate that attention is because he legitimately is a good prospect. And, you know, sometimes these dramatic recruitments also were a little bit of a precursor for a dramatic tenure on campus. And sometimes they're not, right? I mean, sometimes the, the arrival to a college campus provides the stability the player needs to focus actually on the game and sometimes what you saw as a recruit continues as a player but either way you know the school that wins this recruitment I think is going to be very glad they get a chance to find that out for themselves in person 
Yeah, I mean, Brandon, we're living in it. You know, I know we're going to sound like uh, we're going to we're going to sound like we're not new school when we we make comments like this, but it is a new age, man. It is a new era. I think the reason why Walter Nolan can is enabled to to be this way with his recruitment is because he's so talented. I mean, it is very rare when you see a, a five star like Walter Nolan when he competes against other peer prospects at his grade level, and he looks like he's a sophomore or a freshman in college going against high schoolers still. That's what Walter Nolan looks like, not against on a regular Friday night or Thursday night. That's what he looks like when he goes against these elite prospects of his own stature at these All-American camps and showcases. I mean, he humbles guys. Um, I saw highlights last night of you know Georgia former major Georgia target Evan Stewart, the wide receiver out of Texas, um, that has over, I think he has 2 million followers now on TikTok, but he catches a go route where he just outruns the entire screen. And, man, he's in the end zone dancing with all of his teammates and drawing that flag. And it's just just kind of celebrated as it is what it is because that's going to be great content for TikTok and that's going to be great content for the Instagram. I mean, it is a different time with a lot of these young men now. Certainly uh, acquiring a talent like Nolan, good insurance for the future for George or any other school that might get him. And when it comes to your own future you want to ensure that there as well and one of the best ways you can do that is via life insurance now when i say triple a i want you to think about life insurance because they can be there to provide that for you in fact that's the one i would encourage you to trust when it comes to your own life insurance needs you can speak to one of those triple a financial service associates and they can walk you through all of your options there if you're the primary wage earner for your family if you've got children to take care of if you've, if you've got things like that being aware of what triple a can provide for you for when it comes to life insurance is such an important thing to know so let me give you a few ways to get in touch you can give them a call 866-695-0222 one more time for that phone number 866-695-0222 reach out online triple a.com slash life that's aaa.com slash life or as i said before just go into a triple a office and talk to folks face to face right there and you can find out some uh, really interesting things, important things about how you can set your family up for success in the future by taking care of life insurance with AAA right now. Jeff, another list of finalists came out this week for Shamar Stewart. I kind of think of him as an edge rusher. You may tell me position-wise it's a little bit different, but when I think about Stewart, that's kind of what I think of him as. He includes Georgia in his top five. And this is an aside. Before we get into Stewart as a player, this, if you're watching video, you can see this. For whatever reason, Jeff, Georgia's always the middle team in these graphics. Now, Hayes Fawcett makes a bunch of them. Maybe he just likes Georgia. And it's not always a predictor of who's coming to UGA. But once again, you see Georgia right there in the middle with A&M and Clemson and Ohio State. And uh, what is that? Is that Miami? I almost look like Oregon. That's Miami uh, up there at the top right. But once again, Georgia gets the middle position here for uh, Shamar Stewart on the graphic. I don't know what that means. Oftentimes it doesn't mean anything. But, man, you see UGA in the middle of these things a lot. Hey, Brandon, <clears throat> I'm going to let you in a little secret. Sometimes the one in the middle is just the one that the kid and the, the graphic designer thought was the best and cleanest image. Yeah. Um, it's not It's not foreboding or it's not like the Da Vinci code you need to crack. It's the, the head's cocked sideways or he's pointing towards his heart or whatever you want to say. Yeah, as I said, oftentimes um, these are not predictive for Georgia necessarily, but it is interesting. They're kind of always, at least on this crop, they, they, they seem to very frequently be right there in the middle. Yeah, you got – He's front and center in Shamar Stewart. He's front and center, I believe, in uh, Jake Hood as well. And then you're, you've got him front and center in, uh, I think, Georgia's right there in the middle of things with uh, with Walter Nolan as well. Now, you can't be in, in the center with Big Bear Alexander because there's only two. That's but, right. You know, the, the Hood thing was interesting how, I mean, you saw him. He's in the jersey of three schools. And those are the only three. The, he, has, he hasn't visited the other three schools. There's some of those other schools that are on his list, which makes that very interesting. But, uh Shamar, I mean, you want to talk about a guy, a plug-and-play, five-star, um, pretty much the same, a guy that's going to go a long way. I think we try to temper expectations on our on our top targets list on Before the Hedges just because we know there's so much that needs to happen before both a Walter Nolan or a Shamar Stewart are ready to make their decision. Uh, Shamar visited Georgia a couple times. Uh, there was some uh, – I think there was some reportedly some comments he made on social media about – I think there was one time when he was in the state of Georgia during the uh, last week, and he did not decide to go to Georgia, even though he was in Atlanta um, during that last week, that brief last week of uh, open period where guys could come uh, and visit on campus. 
you want to say this lightly, you want to say this heavily. He's a he's a Trayvon Walker type talent, especially what he brings off the edge. He's uh, again a lot like Walter Nolan. If, if some lucky school ends up with both Walter Nolan and Shamar Stewart on the same defensive line, well, their run defense and their pass rush stats are going to look pretty stout for two, about two or three years. Also, if you're not watching on video, you have no idea what I'm talking about, so I apologize for that. But I'm also going to shout out Shamar Stewart for this. The fact in a day and age when like Deion Bowie's dressed in all red, red on red when he comes to Georgia, the black jerseys are quite prominent in these recruiting pictures. Look at Shamar right there, you know, going white jersey, road, and he does have the zero on, so that's a little bit new school. But talk about respecter of traditions, showing off the silver britches, and shout out to uh, Hayes Fawcett, the edit creator, for actually you know, basically photoshopping the britches to look actually like they're silver and not the gray abominations that Georgia has been wearing for the last 20 years. Uh, it's nice to see some actual true silver britches there on uh, Shamar Stewart. Nice to see Shamar actually understanding and respecting that UGA tradition. Even if he doesn't choose Georgia and choose one of these other schools, at least he's keeping the silver britches alive, Jeff. Uh, points for that. You know, another thing, Brandon, which will make you just think this is the year 2021 or in Shamar Stewart's case, 2022, is when did you think we would arrive at a point in college football, among many things, a lot of lists, a lot of things to go about here, but potentially if he, if he signs with Georgia, then Georgia would have a zero on offense and a zero on defense. That's Darnell Washington, and that's uh, Shamar Stewart. Uh, double zeros uh, on a team, which is uh, you can do that because of the jersey rules because those guys will be on the same on the same side of the ball on certain snaps and a lot of, a lot of big snaps, so uh crazy uh crazy that you would have a couple a pair of five stars that are attracted to playing college football with the number zero as their digit that's going to become it's not going to kind of be like uh an australian punter in the sec i want you guys to all play a game when you watch sec football or big time football this fall and kind on one hand then the amount of schools that either do not yet have an aussie punter or do not have one yet on the way because that's all totally changing. Yeah, interesting stuff uh, there on that for sure. Tonight, I'm looking forward to being on Peachtree TV. Really fun game at one of the historic venues around the city of Atlanta between North Atlanta and Farrell. That's going to be a ton of fun. Two more games for the Great Atlanta Bash coming up on Saturday from that same spot right there uh, near Midtown High School in Piedmont Park. So that's going to be a great time. But, Jeff, there's a ton of high school football on TV this weekend, and a lot of it involves guys – who are connected to Georgia, either committed to the dogs or are targets of UGA. Can we throw this up on the screen there for a second? ESPN was kind enough to put out a graphic of some of the games they're doing for what they kind of call their kickoff weekend. Let's see if we can bounce a few of these up there uh, just for a moment. Uh, we'll get that going here and let folks do that as we're on the road, assisted by AAA with Jeff Sintel. There's a lot. There's a lot of buttons that have to be pushed from time to time, and a lot of these things, uh, graphic-wise, kind of get served by the same uh, system there. But the point is, I think it's Jordan James, the uh, Georgia running back commit. you got a really fun one between Milton and and North Cobb. Now, I guess Denial and Morissette's still a little bit banged up there, and I believe LT Overton may be uh, a little bit banged up there, too. You can correct me on that if, I, if I'm wrong. But uh, a chance to see Marcus Grubbs Killebrew. Uh, Pretty, uh, I think IMG Academy's on there for the weekend there as well. Obviously, uh, Kamari Wilson, a guy that Georgia fans look forward to watching a uh, UGA recruiting target. Big weekend of high school football on uh, television, Jeff. And a lot of this is going to be on the ESPN family of networks and a lot of this including guys of note for Georgia fans. Yeah, you, you, you think about North Cobb. Well, North Cobb still has Marquise Groves, Killebrew, uh, another guy, Sam Mbake. Uh, they've got a guy, Malachi Singleton, the quarterback, who kind of drives the Drives the boat there at North Cobb. He's got a Georgia offer in the 2023 cycle. Joel, you know, Joseph, another defensive end, outside linebacker, uh, who's rising up uh, the ranks. North Cobb's got a stacked team if you were able to add uh, Denial and Morissette to that. He's been telling me he's been trying for forever to, to point to an early. He wasn't going to miss any, any time. He missed last week against Buford. Be, it'd be very inter- interesting to talk to him tonight and see how close he is to playing or if he even tries to give it a go tonight. I know they're going to be very careful with his wrist if he comes back with his future career at Georgia. Then you got Gunnar Stockton again against Pace Academy. I think I think Dog Nation knows that high school program well, Pace Academy, and the quality of players that they put out at Pace Academy with Chris Slade, Terrence Edwards, Justin Miller, those guys like that on the Pace Academy staff, Ron Veal. Um, be very interesting to see Gunnar kind of 
kind of continue that ascent on his senior year and his assault on the Georgia high school record book. And Pace has got a 24. You mentioned the Raven County Pace Academy game. Of course, our buddy Terrence Edwards on that Pace Academy staff. But Pace has got a 2024 quarterback too, right? Yeah, and then Pace has got a 2024 defensive lineman that looks like he's the type of guy that's going to basically be that Walter Nolan type guy in the 2024 type class. Uh, That's heavy duty. I mean, I don't know if we've talked about him on your airwaves before, Brandon, but Heavy duty is the name, and uh, I tell you what, George has impressed him a lot. He comes from a family of college football players and, uh, you know, a lot of college football players and a lot of pro football players in his family and his background. So that's a young man, heavy duty. Heavy duty is, is really actually Heaven Brown Schuler, but really good-looking prospect as well there for Pace. Uh, good stuff all the way around, Jeff. I know you're looking forward to uh, seeing some of this high school football action this weekend there, too, and can't wait to read your coverage of all that. Thanks for, as well, being with us on the road, assisted by AAA. Always uh, fun to get your insight on what is about to be a pretty busy time for the dogs and recruiting and trying to do some stuff on the field that earns some favor with these recruits. I, I can't wait to see your perspective and read your perspective on all of it. Hey, Brandon. Hey, man. Have a good call tonight. Have a great weekend. And we're almost here at game week, man. I can't wait. Looking forward to it, Jeff. Thanks for being with us. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, man, I'm so excited about high school football and whether it be the big names, the big games. And next week we have a chance to do one of those. It's going to be so much fun to see Eagles Landing Christian Academy in Rabin County, a chance for us to put Gunnar Stockton, the Georgia quarterback commit, on Petrie TV and streaming it at CBS 46 next week. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. But the game we're going to have, and really the three games for the Great Atlanta Bash over the course of the next uh, two days, is going to be a blast. And I'm sure many of you are going to be peering in on those games on ESPN there too. So good, good stuff. High school football officially back. All right, let's transition to our SEC through. And let me give a shout-out to the folks at the Finish Long Drink because a lot of you kind of keep – kick back on the patio and watch a lot of this kind of stuff uh, of course you're looking for that beverage to do that with and let me encourage you to try the finished long drink if you haven't or keep enjoying it if you have i'm talking about a ready-to-drink cocktail right there uh just pop the top on the can you're enjoying it it's not a beer it's a ready-to-drink cocktail you can get the traditional the cranberry the long drink strong we had some folks last night in our uh comment section that were saying on cover four live ba i like that long drink that comes in the black can well, I'm sure a lot of you do. Uh, 8.5% alcohol by volume on that. That's a good time. Of course, long drink zero for those of you who want that too. Uh, it is a lot of fun. It's you know dating back to like Helsinki in the 1950s for the summer games there in the United States for a few years and now in Georgia and pretty much everywhere. So go to thelongdrink.com. You can find out a lot more about that. So there is more grief for Brian Harson at Auburn. Now, this is not a big deal, but it's an example of the kind of thing that just kind of like once certain people seem to think a guy is on the ropes and kind of an easy target, more and more stuff seems to kind of pile up. And there are uh, a few folks who seem to be enjoying getting over on new Auburn coach Brian Hart. We talked about some of the stuff yesterday related to the you know his own personal battle with COVID and the vaccination rate of the Auburn team. And we'll leave that for yesterday's show. The new thing, though, is this. That spotted at the Auburn football facility was a sign in the elevator, as reported by you know some folks who cover Auburn, sign in the elevator that said the elevators are only for injured players, <laughs> that everyone else was expected to take the stairs. Now, I'm a little bit of a dork. I read a lot of these like business-type books. and <laughs> I can usually trace a lot of this coaching cliche stuff back to the book that it came from, and many of you probably kind of the same way a lot of this kind of stuff and I think to a lot of people this is what kind of comes across as you know Brian Harson read a book and so now he's got a sign in an elevator or something along those lines and I'm not going to make too light of this I mean obviously as a Georgia fan the idea that Brian Harson's kind of stumbling out of the gates at the start of his Auburn tenure I find to be pretty entertaining at a certain point in time this kind of stuff becomes a little bit of a grotesque pile on maybe that's what Harson's dealing with or maybe he truly is on his way to being a disaster I mean this is one of those things that honestly compels you to admit that when outsider comes to the SEC, Boise, Idaho guy, you know, there's always going to be this chatter of, uh, you know, you ain't in Boise anymore. You're in the SEC now. And, you know, sometimes that turns out to be true, but at other times it kind of turns out to be Urban Meyer, right? Because if you want to go back and listen, I'm no fan of Urban Meyer, but when Meyer left Utah to come to Florida, I mean, there was all kinds of chatter pre-social media, of course, but all kinds of chatter of, what you thought worked for you at Utah and way out west, that's not going to work 
down here in the SEC. And within a couple of years, he certainly found a way to make it work for him. Now, I'm not telling you that Brian Harson's the next Urban Meyer. What I'm saying is we always say the outsider into the SEC is going to be dealing with some culture shock. It almost always turns out to be true. But every now and then, one of these outsider-type guys does truly figure it out. Urban Meyer once did. We'll find out the path that Brian Harson's about to travel on all of this. If you're interested, and I'm sure you probably are, in addition to a big slate of high school football, we also have uh, college football, actual college football games here this weekend. We call it Week Zero. So here are the games that you see. And, and frankly, as college football goes, this isn't bad. All of this is, of course, Eastern time here. We've got a Big Ten game between Nebraska and Illinois. Now, that's not, you know, that's not a main event anywhere in the country, but a conference game on Week Zero, not a bad deal there. UConn at Fresno State. I don't think UConn's played a game in about three years, it doesn't seem like. Uh, they didn't play at all last year. Uh, so do do with that what you will. Hawaii at UCLA. That's not bad. Don't forget UCLA also hosts LSU, I think, next week. Um, Chip Kelly's team, you know, maybe a little bit of a factor there. So pay close attention to that as LSU's less than a touchdown favorite on the road in Pasadena next week. UTEP and New Mexico State, two of the worst programs in the country. You might can be forgiven if you want to uh, skip that southern utah at san jose state san jose state was sneaky very good a year ago very very good they just had an awful you know schedule conundrum they were forced to face but the san jose state was certainly very good so maybe a little nebraska illinois maybe a little hawaii ucla maybe a little bit of a look late 10 p.m eastern time on the cbs sports network at what san jose state brings back for uh, 2021 but week zero college football is back and that is a fun thing to think about let me do a couple other things really quick because i know we're kind of uh, getting along here for a moment uh gordon g who is the president of west virginia this is also the former big wig at vanderbilt went to ohio state he's one of the most recognizable like university figureheads that there is because he's very outspoken in college athletics and he has done an about face and I think this is pretty interesting kind of done a big about face on the idea of playoff expansion at one point in time he was very open to the idea of playoff expansion something that he said that he was you know in favor of looking forward to doing and like the last 24 hours he's come out to say he's basically a no vote on playoff expansion and some people think this is related to his current school west virginia who's kind of right now stuck without a conference the big 12 seems like it could be on the road towards eventual dissolution and maybe this is leverage on the part of west virginia to get into another league make g happy so you can you know get in somewhere else but also i think we may see some more of this in the future i mean there's so much spiteful behavior in college athletics, right? You know, think about the way that Texas and Texas A&M used to have this cold war with each other where they weren't playing games, but they were always kind of passive-aggressively taking shots back and forth with each other, and that gets really irritating if you're a Longhorn fan or an Aggie fan. The ultimate byproduct of this alliance that has supposedly formed with, like, the Pac-12, the Big Ten, and the ACC against the SEC, to the extent that it matters at all and to the extent that those of us are just average fans that we ever notice it, I think the way we might notice it might be through this sort of spiteful behavior of, hey, I used to be for playoff expansion, but if the SEC wants it, now I'm not so sure that I do anymore. I'm a no vote on that now. So G does this. He may have some personal motivations for doing that because of West Virginia's current status, but other, you know, kind of blowhard figureheads within the academic world who, you know, have a chance to have some influence over athletics, them doing some similar type stuff, I I think we may see some more of that there in the future. One more SEC through type story to get to here for a moment. It's actually not from the SEC, but I thought it was interesting. So uh, Brian Kelly was doing an interview, and he let it slip, and I'm going to use air quotes around this, that the next head coach at Notre Dame was going to be the defensive coordinator that he just hired, Marcus Freeman, of course, who had done some great things there at Cincinnati. And a lot of folks wonder, was this a slip-up? Did, did Kelly misspeak? Did he not mean to say this? And – I'll just say this. I never think things like this are accidental. And I think that sometimes, you know, getting a for, a for a program whose image may have gone a little stale and, you know, certainly Kelly's, I don't think, looking to leave a job at any point in time. But anything you can do to kind of fresh up the you know, the the perception, anything you can do to kind of breathe some new life in the conversation. We've seen the Irish make a couple of college football playoffs and should be gifted a appearance in the playoff and do nothing with the opportunity. At a certain point, you've got to reboot the conversation a little bit. So, talking about hey look at who our next coach is going to be get excited about that on the recruiting trail 
from time to time, I would say that coaches do things like that accidentally, intentionally, if you know what I'm saying. So that's kind of what I took from Brian Kelly on that yesterday. We'll make that your SEC through. And here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger, sometimes on our show, by the time the week comes to an end, we like to give out our golden shoes as part of our Gatorade roll call. And sometimes these things pile up a little bit on a, as we get towards the end of the week. So I want to I want to give out a few very worthy winners here for a moment. We'll try to do this relatively fast. Here's the first one. It comes from Joshua Campbell, who gives you a go dogs and golden shoe. We're talking about, you know, stadium policy the upcoming year. And what Joshua does with his graphic is he says breaking. The University of Florida is going to require proof of residency, uh, ownership of an 85 Camaro and a picture of you in jorts to attend games this upcoming fall of course jorts being the jean shorts uh that's pretty fitting for florida all the way around and uh pretty funny stuff from joshua campbell when it comes to that you are truly a golden shoe winner our buddy ben green also had a funny golden shoe submission yesterday so here's one of the things and listen you know i'm just happy people watch and listen to the show they can do with the show what they want to but every now and then i'll mention something for like 10 seconds the comment section will talk about it for 25 minutes, and then the whole thing will be spun as why is BA obsessed with fill in the blank, whatever it is. So yesterday, by my count, and you can go back and clock this, by my count, I think I spent 90 seconds or something like that talking about the new ice policy at Sanford Stadium and the fact they're going to bring in the fast food ice because a lot of Georgia fans over the course of years have complained about the quality of the ice at Sanford Stadium. Now, a lot of that ice is melting for a very different reason, if you get my drift. But some Georgia fans have not been happy with the ice there uh, at Sanford Stadium. So I mentioned that yesterday. I thought it was kind of a cool thing that Josh Brooks, the new athletic director, was improving the quality of the ice. There's no big financial gain from that. It's just kind of a nice thing to do for your fans. And I gave a shout-out to UGA for that because you better believe we'd all notice if they were cutting corners and doing everything they could to save a buck. And so the Facebook comment section, for those watching the video, just became this entire like crazy you know you know run on sentence of ice puns and people talking about ice and so ben green who's a very very talented guy on social media says that i mentioned the new ice at sanford stadium and the comment section goes bonkers and he's basically got like this like avalanche of ice covering me up right there uh which is uh, about the way that it went down yesterday so pretty stuff funny stuff from ben green and then finally let me give you one more golden shoe for today and our buddy mad dog has won a lot this is maybe his magnum opus. This is a work of art. So if you're not watching on video, i got to try to explain this to you. We talked about the crate challenge the other day, and it's taken over social media. And here's what Mad Dog writes. He says, when your milk crate challenge is sabotaged by your own player. And what you see is Dan Mullen trying to do the milk crate challenge. Marco Wilson throws the shoe. And now Dan Mullen is falling off the crate because of the th- thrown shoe by Marco Wilson. Y'all, I've done a little uh, uh, Photoshop stuff. That's a lot of moving parts for a Photoshop right there. Really impressive. Very well done by Mad Dog. He's won a ton of these uh, golden shoes. That one may be the most deserving of them all. The Marco Wilson thrown shoe. Dan Mullen falling off the crate challenge. Extra points for the the you know the the current status of the uh, crate challenge meme on social media so really really funny and good stuff all the way around and with that we'll wrap things up on a friday hope all of you are getting ready for a good weekend watch me on high school football tonight petri tv streaming that thing on cbs 46 there too that is going to be a lot of fun and of course enjoy your own final weekend before georgia clemson next saturday i started the show by saying one way or another we're about to find out how good georgia is Are the concerns of someone like Aaron Murray, are they founded, or is this just the way it's always been for UGA? Some last-minute talk of how good the opponent is and how much Georgia has to be concerned about. Maybe we'll all be pleasantly surprised next Saturday night. We're going to have to wait a few more days to find that out, but obviously you know what I'm hoping for when that game does indeed take place there. So enjoy your final weekend. Let's get our chin straps buckled on Monday for a big day. Don't forget, ondognation.com and the Dog Nation app. I'll be with you for our first and 15, starting at 9.45 in the morning, exclusive for the app and dognation.com. Speaking of the lousy, stinking Gators, 64 days from now, dogs get some revenge against Florida. We will see you Monday for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. Have a great weekend, everybody. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down, and hope all of you are getting ready for a great weekend, whether it's watching high school football and maybe even, hopefully, uh, me on Friday night, or whether it's uh, the college football stuff that's going to be on the Week Zero stuff. I think, it's, I think it's a good time to enjoy a little bit of that, but also make sure you spend some time with family and friends. <laughs>
because one of two things is going to happen. Either uh, you're going to get very busy watching Georgia football or you're going to be in such a bad mood in a couple of weeks that you're not going to feel like being around family and friends. So enjoy them right now while you still feel like doing it because who knows what the future holds when it comes to anything like that. I say kiddingly or at least half kiddingly. Uh, nonetheless, I want to mention a comment that I got on video. I don't normally do this. I normally make our uh, podcast comment section exclusive to the Twitter folks or the folks who reach out on dognation.com. But I do want to uh, mention a comment I got on video. I also want to say this. Yesterday, we got a message. And I got a really, I've gotten a couple of these messages as of late regarding the way in which the podcast gets posted to dognation.com. Now, most of you listen through a Spotify or an Apple or something like that, so you don't see this. But a lot of you just are more, you think it's more convenient to listen to the show when it's posted at dognation.com. And you had noticed something and mentioned that the podcast post at the bottom was kind of being obscured, that, that it wasn't easy to click on because of some of the way in which this, the page was formatted. And that kind of kind of popped up out of nowhere. I believe that is fixed now, at least when I'm looking at the page here now. I am no longer seeing that be an issue. Hopefully you've noticed the same thing. So I'm not smart enough to fix anything, but I am typically reliable to tell someone else when something is broken and needs fixing. So we've gotten that done. If you ever noticed anything else, go ahead and let us know that too. And I mean, listen, I'll do everything I can to make the experience enjoyable because it means the world to me that you listen each and every day. So here's the video comment that I wanted to read today, and then I'll let you get on your weekend. Somebody asked before about, hey, you know, of the guys who were second or third team for Georgia in the preseason on SEC list, if you had to pick one of those guys who would be most likely first team by the end of the year, who would you pick? Now, me always being at least partially noncompliant, I couldn't pick just one, but I did pick two. But I want to make this point kind of clear here at the end of this week and the final Friday before we get to actual game week next week. I think I joked about this in one of the regular shows this week. That By the time you get to this portion of the end of the summer, it seems like I've probably, and I say this self-deprecatingly, have mentioned like 60 guys who could have breakout seasons because in a roster as deep as George's and with as much examination as we do of all those players, it's easy to make a case for a lot of guys over the course of time. And, you know, listen, sometimes, you know, consistency <laughs> may, uh, may wane. But if you really cause me to drill down and say, you know, clearest example you can give, shortest of short lists of who those guys that really emerge. If we talk about like you know the notion of star players and, and who who truly makes a name for themselves, I think my names would be two, and it may be end up being seven, and that's great. But the two that I'm most certain about are both on defense. One is Nicobe Dean, and one is Trayvon Walker. And in the case of Dean. We know what great inside linebacker play at Georgia already looks like. And I'm not saying that Dean's going to be the next Roquan Smith, but I'm also not saying he's not. And obviously to be a top 10 level pick and a Buckus Award winner, that's a lofty goal. But even if Dean is something slightly lower than that, you can be incredibly effective. I'll invite you to remember the Super Bowl. Remember Devin White from LSU linebacker, what he did for the Bucks defense there in that game? When you have a dynamic athlete patrolling the middle of the field, it makes, even for an explosive offense like Kansas City, it makes succeeding much more difficult to do because a guy like White, just because of his athleticism, is occupying so much space. N'Kobe Dean is kind of a college version of that, I believe. And so he was one of those guys, like a third-team type pick, who could clearly, I believe, be a first-team pick by the time it's all said and done. I think N'Kobe Dean can be that good. The other name that I mentioned, Trayvon Walker, and while – as I said a moment ago, we know what the comp for Dean looks like because just a few years ago, under Kirby Smart's leadership, we saw Roquan Smith have a season like that. I don't believe there is a recent comp at Georgia for what Trayvon Walker can be. With all due respect to those who've played kind of that 3-4 defensive end position for Georgia, those guys have been the fundamentally sound, you know, gap sound type players the, the, the kinds of guys that contribute to a terrific rush defense, and maybe you don't think about them when you talk about filling up the stat sheet. And that's an important role, and Georgia's had good guys in that spot. But I truly believe that Trayvon Walker certainly has as his potential, and I believe he'll realize a lot of that potential this season to be so much more than that. There is no comp at Georgia in recent years at the defensive end position 
for what I believe that Trayvon Walker has a chance to do. I take it very seriously what Kirby Smart said about Walker back in the spring, that when you think about replacing Aziz Ojolari, that Walker is one of the names that Georgia looks like, looks at to be able to do that. I just think the sky's the limit. And if you had your list of two guys, you're maybe mentioning a thousand more. And I just think it's important that on the list of all the potential guys who I think it could be, that I truly identify who I actually think it will be. And I believe the safest bets are Dean and Walker having very big seasons, putting themselves in the first-team All-SEC conversation at the end of the year and propelling the Georgia defense to even higher highs because of it. Georgia's been really good defensively for a couple of years. Can they be dynamic enough to beat a Clemson and to be a national championship contender here this year? Guys like Dean and Walker would go a long way towards making that true. Can't wait to see them uh certainly next saturday really good conversation here today thanks for sharing your thoughts with me on twitter at dog nation daily in our comment section dognation.com thank you for being a part of our rs andrews podcast cool down check them out online rsandrews.com if your water heater goes out they can replace it for you many cases the same day all kinds of plumbing electrical issues air conditioning issues they handle all that for you rsandrews.com for more also dario will be back with us on wednesday Actually, we'll air the show on Friday. Darlie will be back with us on Friday for Go With The Flow next week, looking at those big picks for the big games on week one. That's going to be a lot of fun there, too. So really fun. We will look forward to doing all that with you then. Have a great weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. Talk to you soon, everybody.